0: It's like 90, 99% of coins are scams. Yeah, yeah. Because
1: it's really easy. It's really easy to spin up a coin. I can make a coin. Anyone can. I, I mean, we can make, like, a, make a coin right now in the last, like, whatever, like the next 20 minutes. I get you guys the... We're the, about uh, to. Yeah, the cloud accounting, the, the Cap coin. Uh, yeah. There we go.
0: <laughs> if it doesn't exist, it could. Yeah, could right now. Some And somebody listening to this could make it and then start <laughs> selling it. Yep, yeah. yep. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast was recorded at the Oracle NetSuite Suite World Conference in September of 2022. To learn more about NetSuite and the Sweet World Conference, visit NetsuiteSweetworld.com. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. We are coming to you from Suite World in Las Vegas. I am Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And we are joined today by two very Interesting people from a very interesting company. This is our second interview, and it's another company specializing in crypto. <laughs> we prefer the term digital assets. It's a little bit more professional. Patrick White, Pat <laughs> White, thank you for joining us. You are the CEO at Bitwave. That's it. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. And we also have Rafael Casas, who is the VP of business development at Bitwave. Great to be here, guys. And also
2: a huge fan of the podcast. He's been a huge supporter. It used to be at Oracle. And before that, I think it was at Sage. And before that, did you do a zero stint too?
3: No, 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 not there. You didn't get the trifecta. No, yeah. not yet. <laughs> a, I'm behind a few other of my colleagues on that one.
2: But you've been well, around and, a lot. And would have to be yeah. there And too. thank you for supporting the show. Yeah. Dude, oh, of course, I love all it. All these
0: years. It's been great. Thank you also. Um, we know that you lost your voice. It has come back to some extent. So thanks for being with us. Thank goodness for green tea. Yes. <laughs> Finding yeah, Trooper.
2: So let's just jump in. So I'm on your website. I'm on Bitwave.io, and my questions can be like, "What is Bitwave?" Oh, you checked to make sure I was on the right site. Uh, yeah, I just just look <laughs> so, at the website. So it's like solutions, <laughs> and it's like accounting, bookkeeping, pay bills with crypto, DeFi accounting, impairment reporting, and APIs, crypto tax tracker. Yeah, like, that's a lot. Like, what do you guys do?
1: Yeah, so to to put it really simply, like we started Bitwave with a really simple vision, actually, which was to enable digital assets for enterprises. So it's you know, if you think back, we started Bitwave in about 2018, and we we kind of were. Uh, me and my co-founder are both enterprise software people. So we were not actually, I don't actually personally have an accounting background. Although I I do like accounting a lot. Like there's, a, I'm a, I'm a computer engineer and there's, a, there's an elegance to accounting that is not present in a lot of computer stuff that I really enjoy. So we can talk about that later. But uh, so I'm an enterprise software guy my entire life, worked for Microsoft and Cisco and Intuit and a few other companies. Uh, and I'm also like a deep crypto supporter. I love crypto. I've been in it. I have some code contribute to the Bitcoin core node. Like I've been in this forever. I love it. And so for me, I'm like, well, like, can I, is there a way to bring together enterprise software and crypto? So we started a company that was, that was setting out to enable digital assets for enterprises. And then just so happens that as we were doing that, the very, very first problem that every single company we talked to using digital assets had was tax and accounting. So that's where we started, and uh, we learned an incredible amount since then, (laughs) and that's where you kind of get to the the solutions tab there, which is there are tons of different problems you run into around crypto. It is not you know, I think people think that, you know, you can kind of like, oh, you just do, it's just taxes. Like, oh, you just got to figure out your taxes for crypto and that's it. But really there are complex accounting treatments that are kind of archaic in some ways. Like, you know, we talk a lot about impairment and I'm sure we'll get into this more. You know, impairment is a, it's a treatment for intangible, intangible assets. The only intangible asset, like I'd say 80% of accountants deal with on a day in day out basis is like a domain name or something like that, which you would never impair. Like, how are you like, maybe the guys who started Enron, like the. a bookkeeper at Enron probably impaired uh, impaired Enron.com. That's maybe the one domain in history that got impaired down, but no one does it. So this is there are these relatively archaic rules that like a lot of bookkeepers don't actually know intangible asset treatments. They don't know about this stuff. So you end up finding people where you know that if you're you want to be able to do US GAAP, so then that problem comes up. So that's how impairment ends up there. People are doing DeFi. DeFi accounting is incredibly complicated, and no one agrees on how to do it. So that's how you end up with that on there. It's you know. But stepping back from all of it, we are here to enable digital assets for enterprises, and we have a full suite of tools for any sort of tax accounting, uh, anything you need to do around digital assets.
0: And when you say digital assets, what's an example yeah. of a digital asset?
1: <laughs> I know, I love it. It's we we try to be professional. <laughs> we try. We, it's like it's one of those things. Like when when businesses grow up, you have to you have to stop saying cryptocurrency and start saying digital assets. Uh, anything. So Bitcoin's a digital asset. USDC is a digital asset. Uh, Board Ape Yacht Club NFT is a digital asset. We have customers that have all of those things on their balance sheet and many, many, many more. I think right now in Bitwave, we track something like 20 million different tokens. There's just a lot of tokens out there. So all of those be considered digital assets. One thing I did learn recently, or even actually to sort of expand it slightly, you're also even seeing carbon credits are now turning to digital assets. So carbon credits are super interesting because they follow the exact same accounting treatment as digital assets. They are an intangible asset that you keep on your balance sheet. You have to impair down. And more and more, we're seeing people doing carbon credit trading on the blockchain. So now, you know, I wouldn't call carbon credits a digital asset. I'd call them a ESG asset or something like that. but they're falling into our wheelhouse and we're seeing people actually using BitWave for them. So it's an interesting world we all live in now.
2: So are you just like a software solution you're just moving data
1: into the accounting systems? Or are you, I'm
2: kind of thinking like, a payroll service, right? They're providing some extra services. They're filing some tax forms for you. They have expertise in what you need to be filed or what needs to be filed. Like, are you kind of in like a little bit of a service company as well? We,
1: we are mostly an enterprise SaaS product. So we are mostly a piece of software that pulls data from the blockchain, does some manipulation on it, and it helps you push it into NetSuite, whatever you're doing, whatever ERP you're using, things like that. We have a, a solutions team that is some incredibly crack CPAs that also happen to be crypto degens. So like guys that, you know, own random NFTs, and love trading this stuff. So we we have a group of people that really know this stuff, like like nobody else in the entire world. But we we tend to not do that kind of service providing, and that's actually very intentional. So like one of the really crazy things about crypto is there's there's a lot of stuff that is settled, right? Crypto is a it's an intangible asset. It is treated for tax purposes as property. So you can kind of think of crypto as a forex. That you keep in inventory, right? So that's why it's why QuickBooks and NetSuite, none of these guys can handle it because normally in these ERPs you have either inventory or forex. You can't really if you're if you're paying a bill, you can't pay a bill in widgets. And if you have widgets, you know you're not. If you, if you have forex, you're not really tracking the inventory on it, things like that. So we we bridge the gap between those to allow you to handle it. But there's still so many things that aren't decided that we actually we stay away from actually giving a lot of advice. It's something that's like kind of unique about us is that we don't give you advice. We'll tell you the 35 different options and then you have to kind of make your own mind. So a great example, if we're getting deep into crypto would be like, there's this thing called Ethereum. Everyone's familiar with that. There's this other asset called Weath, which is Ethereum when you wrap it in a ERC20 token, it, it essentially is a one-for-one, it is a, a smart contract on-chain guaranteed one-for-one wrapping action there is great debate in the industry as to whether that's a taxable event or not. So like you could think of that (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: You, you said like five words there all together, and I understood maybe one of them. Yeah. So could you go back and explain?
1: <laughs> yep. what, what are you you're wrapping? So you, t- you take an Ethereum, okay. and you you go to a smart contract, and you are basically, you give that smart contract uh, the ETH, and it gives you back this token called Weef that is, you, you will always be able to trade it back for Ethereum. Like there is a very, very strong guarantees. The Ethereum network would have to break before I could not trade a we for Ethereum. So it's like you could almost think about it as like like let's say you have a a stock, you know, piece of paper, a stock certificate. What's like USDC, right? It's like USDC. Okay. Except it's even stronger guarantees because USDC, you still have Circle that's holding it in the bank account, right? So if if someone from Circle somehow steals all the money, the USDC token itself isn't worth anything, right? So right. like it's it's one, it's even more con- it's even more guaranteed to have that ETH backing because it's all on chain. Like there is no one that can move it. It's all controlled by the smart contract. So so the Ethereum that I trade for my weath. Yep. It stays. It stays in that smart contract, and nobody else can use it. No one else. Well, anyone can because it's all fungible. Right. So anyone can pull out weef from that smart contract. It's not guaranteed to be your ETH in there. Anyone could pull it out, but you are guaranteed that if everyone in the world pulled all of their ETH out of that smart contract, and you had the one last weef there would be one ETH in that contract, and you could you could give it your weef and get your ETH back out of it. Okay. So, so p- this is so this is sort of an interesting one because uh, depending on which of the big four you talk to they disagree about whether that's a trade or not. Like, is that a disposition? When I give that smart contract my ETH and it gives me WEETH, is that a disposition or not? And about half the big four think it is, and about half think that it isn't. And so... Can I ask you just, like, why
0: why would anyone do this? Like, what's the point?
1: Uh, you know, the reason you do this is that ETH by itself... So what's happening... The reason crypto is so incredible... Like, I know you, you'll you hear a lot of different reasons why people like crypto. And, like, you hear some people that take the real libertarian side of that. Like, you know, they hate the Federal Reserve and, like, burn down the whole world and things like that. And that's fine. Like, that's that's a totally fine position to take. That's not my position. Like, crypto is incredible because it answers the question, like, let's say you take a uh, hundred thousand engineers and you give them a real API for money. And I don't mean like Stripe, and I don't mean like, you know, a bank that can do ACHs. I mean like you give people a real API where you can actually program money, what happens. One of the building blocks of that API is a is a, a, an interface called an ERC20, which is this token interface. So every token that you're familiar with, USDC, we just talked about, Weath, MATIC, all these different tokens, adhere to this ERC-20 spec so that any single building block that wants to use it can. So the reason, like Uniswap is such a cool protocol. It's a it's an on-chain DEX, right? It's a distributed, I'm sorry, a, a decentralized exchange. The way it works is that it can take, you give it two different ERC-20 tokens and it doesn't care what tokens are. It knows how to use that wrap that interface, and you can give them any two ERC twenty tokens, and it can create a trading pool between those two tokens. So one of the problems is that ETH itself is not an ERC twenty token. So you have to wrap it to turn it into an ERC twenty token to then be able to take care, like to be able to use all these building blocks that are out there. So it's a long, long it's <laughs> answer. It's
0: convoluted in <laughs> So So this brings me to one of my core questions about cryptocurrency, and I'm a crypto skeptic. I fully admit it. I'm a professional skeptic. I'm a CPA, so <laughs> I'm supposed to be. And and one of the problems I have with the crypto bros and the you know, crypto Bitcoin maximalists and all that. Yeah. Is I want to know if you are one, by the way. But uh, well, that's that's another question. Uh, what I want to ask now is, one of the promises of crypto is that we're going to eliminate the trust that is necessary between independent third parties in order to. F- do a transaction a lot of our financial industry is around these like trusted intermediaries that's what a bank is essentially you know they maintain the ledger and the global you know financial system is all these middlemen and you know crypto can disrupt all that right just connect us directly it's a, it's a great intermediary right? middleman yeah we don't have to trust each other to yep. use cryptocurrency yep but it gets really complicated and so Instead of trusting a banker, now I'm trusting you, Pat, yeah, who yeah. wrote the code. Yeah, right. You're trusting a person who actually wrote the code. Right, because in yeah. these
2: thousands of engineers yeah. that are inventing money.
0: Yeah. So, like, <laughs> you know, what if there's a gap yeah. in the code? As, the, and, as
1: there often is.
0: And that's what we see is we cover yeah. the news, and every week I see some sort of a crypto hack, project you, got mm-hmm. hacked and millions... Were taken out or yep. uh, rug was pulled, yeah,
2: or worse than hacks. It's just simple accounting errors. They're yeah. just careless. Like yeah. they they went too fast, and they're just yeah. it's just simple stupid mistakes. Now it's not even
0: things on purpose. Yeah. So. so like, how do you address that question?
1: You know, I think there's a few different ways you can address it. So first of all, you can look at addressing it at the protocol layer. So more and more protocols are asking the question of like, hey, what if we do have some way to rewind transactions? And there's the the thing you have to understand about crypto people always do this with everything, right? You like, you like to sort of think about groups of like people doing stuff is very homogenous and like is like that. Like when I think when a lot of people think about crypto, they think about the crypto bro and the dude with his like trucker hat, like smoking a J like, you know, this guy like telling you to buy and smash subscribe button and things like that. Like that's, a part of crypto, and for our <laughs> listeners,
0: Pat does not look like a stereotypical crypto bro. Yeah.
1: <laughs> in his um, defense, yet uh, got like, wait till wait till after the show's over. Um, and so that's part of it. The other side of it, though, is 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 these people. So, and I say like kind of one thing way to think about it is like there's people who think they're going to buy crypto and become a billionaire. And I think they did a survey that like 30 of people who buy crypto still think they're becoming a billionaire from doing that. And that's, again, like not to judge, like that's fine, whatever. There's this other side of the world. There are people that are looking at the marginal efficiencies. So you brought up the number one use case that I talk about, which is disintermediating financial institutions. So if you're going to go through this process of disintermediating Bank of America, like today, you can go and borrow money from a, a protocol called compound for 3% interest, right? Which is significant. If you go into a bank today to borrow money, you're going to be paying prime, which is what 3% plus 6%, 5%. So you're be paying 8 to 9%, something yeah, like that.
0: I, I was just talking to a banker uh, who does accounting firm transactions and he said they try to make 10% on every deal. Yeah. so, so.
1: And so, the, why, and like, the question you ask is like, well, why is that? Well, Bank of America has... You know, a hundred thousand employees. They have uh, office buildings in you know San Francisco and New York. They still run AS four hundreds. Like, there's I, I I have never proven this, but there's got to be a dude out there who makes chips for AS four hundreds, like in his like living room, and sells them for like ten thousand dollars to Bank of America to run these like servers are still that are like literally from the nineteen sixties. So you take all of those those you know costs and you compare it to a company like Compound, which is. I don't know, fifty to hundred people that runs no servers. All of their code runs on the public blockchain. You, as the user, pay the fees. Like you, as the user, are essentially paying the maintenance cost for this supercomputer running your your lending code and all that kind of stuff. So within that context, like the crypto bros get really hung up on decentralization and you know all of these like the deflationary aspect, decentralization, all these different like um, I would not say it's not political, but it's it's a uh, ideological yeah. arguments libertarian Le- yeah religious religious yeah, yeah. even religious yes. yeah, 100% yes. Yes. Feels yes. religious yes. yeah the people who are pragmatic about this they don't they don't care about that like they they see this world where you're literally taking a company and doing one-one-millionth the size of a company and being able to provide the exact same services. And what does that look like in marginal efficiencies and costs and all this kind of stuff? And direct, you know, basically me being able to borrow money from you and get better interest myself than I get at a bank account. Because it's not like I get that. If I put my money into Bank of America, it's not like I'm getting 10%. <laughs> like, they're getting it. And so that so for those people, like, there are people now looking at how do you do protocol-level rewinds? How do you do better, you know, lockout periods so that if you do find a hack, you can protect it? You know, it's just, it's going to be a... It will absolutely be a progression that we get to, but it's not to think that Bitcoin is not inherently tied to a one-way door that you go through, and every transaction has to be like that. It's just where we've kind of ended up today because a lot of the early adopters were a little bit more ideological about it.
0: Do you support more cryptocurrency regulation?
1: Um. That's an interesting question. I, so my general answer to this is I, I like cryptocurrency a lot because you have people like us that are trying to do the right thing. Like we are genuinely trying to bring digital assets into the fold in terms of regulation and tax and all that kind of stuff. And our customers are also trying to do the right thing. Crypto has a release valve. Like, you can't shut down Tornado Cash. There, you can do an OFAC. You know, the OFAC, the Treasury can come out and do an OFAC uh, sanction of of Tornado Cash. But it is still out there running. And everyone in the world can still use it. So crypto has this natural release valve where it cannot be stopped. Like, you can do stuff to make it harder, but you can't stop it. So regulation is one of those things that I actually think that we can come to a world with smart regulation for crypto, because if you go too far on the regulation for crypto, people just move to the Cayman Islands and don't give a crap what the U.S. says and do whatever the hell they want anyway.
0: Just like we get black markets for goods when they get you know, banned, right? 100%. So.
1: And so crypto has a release valve. So I, I think that, A, we should see more regulation. I think we should get more guidance on a lot of this stuff. I think it'd be great if someone came out and said that we should not be doing intangible asset treatment for digital assets. Like that would be, I mean, it's a module we sell, so I like it. Yeah, but right? Like, <laughs> you've, you've built a solution for it. <laughs> we got a solution for it. So maybe that's, maybe I'm biased, but, but like, I mean, it's all that stuff will happen. So it's, it's, it'll take you know, a while.
0: You're safe for a while. Safe right? for a little while.
1: <laughs> Is it FASB moves slow?
0: FASB FASB moves incredibly slow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, It's time
2: to get a lobbyist and
1: swear you're winning.
3: You did make a good point, though, when you, the reservations that you had, because I had that coming from the ERP 20 years background of jumping into this space. And one thing that was really interesting and impressive to me is that, you know, the amount of people that came over from the Googles, the Facebooks, the um, Oracle, and they're really anti Bitcoin maxi. So, you know, me building partnerships and speaking with these guys, they're not here to to build or help anyone that's doing a get rich quick they want to build real infrastructure real utility and really help businesses that have legitimate projects succeed and so that's one thing that's been really impressive to me that there's no i'm not speaking to these guys like you're saying smoking weed and head, head backwards like i've got this cool idea we're really speaking to legitimate players and good actors and so that's impressive
0: yeah well tell us a little bit then you know like who are you Working with who
1: uses Bitwave? We have over 250 customers at this point across the entire board. It's really easy to think about crypto again as as a homogenous group. You're like, oh, there's this Web three industry out there, and it's all Web three companies. It's actually this really interesting group of like tiny little micro markets that are out there. So the one that I love is my favorite is energy. Like energy is a huge market. One of our first customers was a company called Greenwich Generation, which is a, a power plant in upstate New York. And these guys aren't hardcore crypto people by any means. Like they are a set of guys that kind of got interested in Bitcoin, owned a power plant, and said like, hey, you know, one of the this this gets deep, but like one of the the interesting things about a power plants, it takes eight hours. You have to you have to project, you have to forecast your energy usage eight hours ahead. Yeah. So you you turn the knob, and eight hours later, that's what you get at that point in time. So if you guess wrong, that means that you waste you energy. waste energy. So they had this thing where like you have this supply and demand delta between your energy. That goes for solar, it goes for wind, all the different renewables have this. They realized it really early. They said like, well, hey, you know, half the time we end up having a surplus of energy, we just burn it off. Like it, it comes off as heat off of our generators what if we pump that into a bitcoin mine so they bought a bunch of bitcoin miners they did like i think they even did like a financing with somebody to pay for it uh and then just pumped that into bitcoin and ended up making it and then now they've expanded that and they're doing it other places and it's really cool so you have energy companies that are getting to this all the solar companies are looking at it now all the gas and electric companies like right now yeah. exxon shell all these guys are looking at hey can we put a can we take a bitcoin a a little Bitcoin miner and a little power plant, put those in our in our fields, in our gas fields, and use the flare from natural gas to drive a power plant to mine Bitcoin, and hey, that's just a little bit more, that's yeah. capex to opex. I mean, honestly, like, it's just a straight uh, calculation at that point.
0: Well, and what I love about that is the criticism of crypto is that it's very wasteful. Yeah. It uses a lot of energy, but in this sense, when it uses the excess capacity... It actually encourages companies to create more capacity because they know that if they create it, they can sell it or they can mine it.
1: without being too hyperbolic like, it's to me the way that we do actually get to sustainable renewable because if you if you spin up a renewable plant you have this issue where you have this terrible supply and demand problem where you're you know solar has a great supply during the day and terrible at night and things like that. So you know the idea of of cryptocurrency as a smoothing function to make solar plants and other plant like renewable plants more sustainable long term is a phenomenally good use case for it where it makes them Profitable and it makes crypto greener. Now, where you run into problems, of course, is like people using subsidized dirty power in China to mine Bitcoin. And that's like, that's terrible. Like, we, and I I tend to think that those problems will solve themselves over time. Like, the Chinese government is not a fan of using subsidized power to mine Bitcoin. So they are cracking down. There's incredibly severe punishments for doing that. And we'll just see that happen more and more.
0: So uh, one of the promises of Bitcoin is this idea of like a limited supply. Yeah. Right. That's one of the features of it. But I feel like DeFi has undone that because now what is happening is you can create coins, an infinite number of coins. <laughs> yeah. that have So you it's, you you have an infinite supply of crypto, and and how how do you with an unregulated or a, a you know a regime that's impossible to regulate like mm-hmm. you said they can just go abroad and people can use crypto anywhere in the world it's impossible to stop it from tra- going across the internet how do you stop bubbles from building yeah like like we saw just recently with yeah. the evaporation of 2 trillion dollars yeah, in wealth. market yeah, value it's absolutely
1: crazy a couple couple ways to sort of think about that so if, the way that i always talk about crypto in general is crypto is a story about use cases like it's you can't clump all crypto together bitcoin is a designed currency it is a defa- deflationary design currency, which is really interesting. Like it is a social experiment. You know, I don't know what else to say about it besides that. It is a social experiment to design a currency that's deflationary. Not every cryptocurrency is like that. Ethereum is not deflationary. It is it is designed to be a, a relatively stable. Uh, it's like supply. low inflation, right? Low inflation. USDC is designed to be. I mean, inflationary like USDC, like USD. It's so. It's one thing you have to. You look at all these different coins and you analyze the actual use case around them. Bitcoin was designed to be incredibly conservative. The development of the protocol moves incredibly slowly. It is designed to be deflationary. It's designed to be an inflation hedge. Now, what's so interesting about that is that it hasn't worked great during this period of high inflation. And I, I joke about this a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm 38. I've never lived through a period of inflation in my life. So, And a lot of people who love Bitcoin are like my age. And so it's really interesting is that we were all thinking about you know, we're all sitting here pontificating about deflationary and inflation-resistant uh, instruments and stuff like that, where the world hasn't seen inflation for thirty years. I mean, a lot, there was like a little bit in the nineteen in, uh, in ninety two, ninety three, something like that, but like not really, not eight percent like we're seeing today. So it's you know, crypto is it's a it's a experiment at a grand scale. It is a social experiment first and foremost because it's human beings putting value onto this, and some of them will work. Like Bitcoin seems to be having sustainability. But it's designed to be inflation deflationary. Then you will also have scams and you just like yeah. crypto is a caveat emptor to the absolute extreme. <laughs> like be careful so many buy.
0: scams. Yeah. It's like 99 percent of coins are scams. Yeah,
1: yeah. Cause it's really easy. It's really easy to spin up a coin.
0: I can make a coin. Anyone can. I I could mean, make, like a,
1: make a coin right now. In the last like whatever, like the next twenty minutes. I get you guys the, We're the about uh, to. yeah, the cloud accounting, the, the cap coin. Cap coin. But yeah. <laughs> there we go.
0: If it doesn't exist, it could.
1: Yeah. Could right now.
0: Some and somebody listening to this could make it and then start selling it. <laughs> yep,
1: yep. And it's so it's that like, there's there's use cases around this stuff. So you have to like be kind of aware of that. But all that being said, is it doesn't like scams don't diminish from the opportunity that is here. I mean, like when KKR KKR was sort of the biggest entrance re- recently, where they just announced that they're tokenizing four billion dollars of their assets that is a super interesting use case because this isn't tied to deflation or inflation this isn't a this isn't a currency per se this is the idea that like a company like KKR that traditionally has through hostile takeovers, their main liquidity option has been to take a company, sell off the piecemeal parts, and then that's how they're getting liquidity out of it. What if they didn't do that? What if they take companies, maybe sort of like mishmash them, mash them up, put some together, and then tokenize that, and then sell those for $10 a token to actually give retail investors access to KKR-type instruments? I mean, it's kind of crazy, it's kind of far out there, but it is this great democratizing aspect of cryptos that could happen, and that's happening today, so. Yeah. I do like to wonder: Am I going to someday work for a digital autonomous organization? Probably not. <laughs> I, you know, DAOs are one of those things. Again, like all these things are social experiments. What we've seen in our in our expertise, there was a there was just a big lawsuit over this. With a, it was a DAO called BZX that uh, essentially they one of the DAO holders who got scammed out of a bunch of money is suing the DAO of which he is a. The the one of the interpretation for DAOs in the US, if you don't have a general if you don't have an LLC around it, is that it's just a general partnership. And so he's suing the general partnership, which is he's suing himself and then whatever the other ten thousand people in the DAO for damages relating to him getting scammed out of it. Uh, this is gonna trigger every DAO to like just do an LLC and like, they're all, they're gonna approach normal businesses with maybe a slightly different governance structure. But even that, like, it's it's a social experiment because no one has yet proven that that everyone voting is a better social experiment than, you know, for businesses. Than a uh, a CEO, right? And in fact, we have co-ops like you know REI is a co-op. Their people, their employees vote. You know, there's co-op uh, grocery stores. They haven't taken over the world. Like voting is has been around for a long time, and command and control generally works better for companies. So, well, we just need to put an AI in
0: charge of a DAO. That's, see, there we and, go, and then and that's <laughs> yeah. the next Amazon. Man, right? I'd give
1: my job up to it an AI. worked really and... well
0: on Twitter, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. But I think
0: some people might prefer working for an AI to working for their actual current yeah. you know boss, right? Yeah. Yeah, I give up my job in a second only in the big 4. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like actually a, a big accounting firm would would be great as a DAO. You know, there they, you just re- got to record your time yeah. against those projects. So if, they, it, it could issue all the invoices. It could do everything.
2: Can we roll this back to like simpler simpler yeah. terms and simpler use case? So with podcasting 2.0, in theory, Blake and I could. actually with their new we have the app earmark. We in the earmark app, we could actually just have a lightning wallet and our listeners can send money to us yep. through the uh, satoshi so it's with one six hundred thousandth of uh yeah eight decimal points yeah. whatever of a, of a of a bitcoin and they can send it to us so then they're sending it to us and then we could actually have that portion out some of it goes to our engineer and another yep. portion goes to you know somebody who made the artwork or what have you, or show notes and so it all goes out there so what's left is in our wallet is ours so we have to somehow record that in right let's see we're huge and now we're on NetSuite right yep. we've got to put it into Netsuite yep so what does that look like are you guys just taking the balance and making a journal entry is it do you, do you help me facilitate changing my satoshi's into real cash yeah when it goes on my bank account no, like, I
1: love it like where's the real use case here totally totally okay so let's let's walk through that use case so you're okay. getting you're getting crypto as revenue which is a, a great use case here yeah, yes right? okay. so you get you get crypto as revenue what what bitwave's gonna do is we're gonna to monitor the blockchain and we're gonna see that Bitcoin hit your wallet so we say hey so I've connected
2: you to my wallet somehow yeah
1: you put okay. in the wallet address you put us you hook us up to your lightning node there's a bunch of different ways that it happens and you're not give pulling us,
2: away my, you're not going to go swipe on my bitcoin wh- out yeah my no O-K- we can't we okay, can't do that okay. it's only
1: it's only the read-only side or you give oh, us read-only okay. api keys to your uh your custody read-only APIs to coinbase so we see the you, we see the bitcoin hit your wallet what we do is we're going to fair market value it and that's essentially what you're doing is you're setting up your book cost you can kind of think about bitwave as a uh so we are a digital asset tax and accounting subledger and we are what you are doing is you're building a sub-ledger and then adjusting ledgers on top of it. So this is another thing where, like, it's you get into this stuff and, like, yeah, I don't know, probably half the accountants we talk to or bookkeepers we talk to don't know what adjusting ledgers are. These are, these are weird concepts that not everyone deals with on a day-to-day basis. So you're building up a, a base ledger. So in this case, it would be debit, digital assets, credit, sales, right? Nice and easy. We'd fair market value it. So we're going to fair market value the Bitcoin debit digital asset. Let's say it's one Bitcoin. So you get so it's today is twenty thousand dollars. Twenty thousand dollars debit digital asset credit sales. We then are also going to take that Bitcoin and add it into uh, an inventory. So because you're because it's again it's a Bitcoin is a for accounting purposes it is a forex that you inventory. It's the best way to think about it. And forex meaning. Foreign exchange, yeah. So it's it's a it's a foreign currency that you inventory. So mostly, when usually we do foreign foreign currencies, you don't you do cost averaging or like you're just looking at like different deltas between invoices. And this this is a it's a foreign currency you have to track on a lot by lot basis with uh, inventory. And
0: that's that you know ledger that you're talking about. It's every lot
1: yep. that has been sold or exactly. Buy. So every so time
2: p- two thousand listeners each send us eight dollars piece. Yeah. yeah. We have to record
1: 2,000 lots And then what if they are paying
2: us per minute listen? And yep. there's a lot, it's even teener, because that's the yep. beauty of this, it's microtransactions. Microtransactions, So. Yeah.
1: You have to track each one of those separate lots. We we have customers doing hundred million transactions a year easy. It's it's crazy. So what yeah and we you would just
2: summarize that into my ledger. We, or we would have we detail? would
1: tend to do ups. So we would do hour by hour roll-ups or something like that. Like we would not track individual at that level. It depends on what your auditors want. Like this is every question in crypto is it depends right? It depends what your auditors want. Depends like what you guys think. But for the most part, if you were in that situation where you're getting that much, we would roll it up on an hourly basis, and then we would just do one entry per hour. We'd Price it on on an hour. So we take the hour close, like all the Bitcoin you got for that one hour, the price for that one hour, turn that into an hourly, like a fair market value and a lot or like a, a layer for that uh, for that particular crypto. Okay. So that goes into your inventory. You have you're going to have two inventories. This is where it gets really really complicated. As is let's is, let's get into this. As, as if we haven't yet yeah. made it inventory uh, complicated. So first of all, you're creating a US gap inventory. So you're going to take that one Bitcoin. The way we work is that we give it the ID the ID of the transaction on the blockchain, that becomes the inventory ID. So it goes into your US GAAP inventory. Your US GAAP inventory can be impaired, right? So you're running intangible asset treatment on your US GAAP inventory. So you can impair that down. So it goes in with a carrying value of $20,000. But if Bitcoin goes to 18,000 tomorrow, we're going to create an impairment action, we pick up a $2,000 impairment, and the carrying value of that inventory item goes down to 18,000. With me so far, yep. and you're journaling the impairment loss. That would be part of your adjusting your US GAAP adjusting yeah. ledger. So that would be you know that impairment is US GAAP adjusting, and then when I sell that Bitcoin, we then pick up a realized gain that is going to be the contra of the impairment plus whatever the new price is. So let's say we sell it for twenty one thousand. You'll then see your, your adjusting ledger for for US GAAP will have a negative two thousand, you know, credit two thousand uh, impairment, and then a realized of three thousand that gets put in there. So that's the that's your U.S. gap-adjusting ledger. You then also have a tax-adjusting ledger. So on your tax-adjusting ledger, you're not doing impairment. The cost basis is the cost basis is the cost basis. So in that same transaction that I then, when I sold that Bitcoin, Whereas my U.S. GAAP adjusting ledger picks up, you know, two thousand impairment, three thousand realized. My tax ledger just picks up a one thousand realized. So that's what Bitcoin is doing behind the scenes. This I don't normally go into this much detail. This is, you guys are getting this oh, special. I love This it. is an accounting podcast. Yeah, debits and is credits, it, man. We're pick, we're picking up a base ledger. This debits and credits of the of the book cost of the action. So debit digital assets twenty thousand, credit sales debit or credit digital assets twenty one thousand, debit you know marketing expense whatever it is, and then the adjusting ledger is how you get between all those numbers.
0: Got it. I, I feel like that's the best, the only good explanation I've ever gotten of this on a, on a podcast. So thank you so much, Pat. That's what we I did, did something yeah.
3: similar to this on our CPA Academy a long yeah. time ago. So <laughs>
0: before I joined, he and I did one and he goes really
3: deep into yeah. it where we, like, we had to cut it off really quickly. <laughs>
1: pull back, buddy. Like Pull, pull out <laughs> yeah. the spin here. We're going
2: too deep. So so now you've pushed it on my ledger as an asset I'm yes. tracking. So now I'm ready to convert that to, to cash. Yep. All right. So. I might do that in the app itself. It gets deposited in my bank account. Now, are you watching the wallet and you're going to go enter the journal entry for me to my bank account or do we, I have to-
1: what we're, So the way that we work, and we, we have different ways we can set up the system. The way we work by default is that we're actually going to track all of your all of your digital assets and cash equivalents. So if you have a Coinbase account, we're going to track that in Bitwave so that when you do that trade, it actually, trades don't hit your book. It's one of the ways that we like what we're trying to do is we're trying to make your life a little bit better on this stuff because it's really hard. Like, as you're hearing me talk about this, there's obviously a lot of, like, nonsense that you're doing to kind of handle this. And so we try not to, so a trade, if you're capitalizing fees, a trade is actually net neutral to the primary ledger, to your general ledger, because it is, you know, you capitalize the fee into it that stays within the cost basis, all that kind of stuff. So we actually tend not to push trade data and stuff like that up, but we're tracking that in BitWave. So we know all of your balances. We know all of your, you know, minute by minute balances after all the trades and all that kind of stuff. It might not hit NetSuite, but it'll be in BitWave.
0: Got it. So there's one other thing I want to nerd out with you on, which yeah. is the NFT sure. aspect of your uh, business. The best. Because Dave and I were talking before we started recording, before you guys showed up, and, and we were thinking, well, why do you need to track NFTs? Because once I sell them, like I don't own them anymore. Like why it's not the same. Yeah. Like so why would I Well
1: there's, there's a few different reasons. So first of all, we work with uh, a few customers that are NFT collectors and traders. So they are buying NFTs for a cost basis, selling them for a different cost basis and picking up some sort of like realized gain okay. or loss on that. Okay. So that's that's day one. Um for someone like if you are an open sea, you probably don't care about NFTs at all. You are not really inventorying NFTs. You're not really tracking them. When an inventory changes hands, it's a direct user to user trade. You're somewhere in the mix there because you're getting a fee off of that, but the NFT never hits your wallet. So you don't really care about it. If you're a minter, you might like, there are some interesting use cases people have talked about where you could, if you mint NFTs to a wallet and then you sell them piecemeal, you can kind of make an argument that you would, you could capitalize. Kind of the way, well, it wouldn't be capitalizing that point, but like if you think about the way like artists work, like yeah. you you buy your paints, you buy all the stuff, so you have a cost of goods, and then you sell your painting. And there's ways you could treat it where you do a cost of goods against the the uh, revenue coming off of that. So there's reasons to track it for those purposes, like if you want to track your Cogs against your actual revenue off of it. But the real reason would be people who are collecting NFTs, like they or or are even there's even like one edge case too that I'll mention, which is like if you're a gaming company. And someone like like imagine a kid buys a hundred thousand dollar sword, and then his dad's like, "Oh hell no!" So you have to basically you have to buy that sword back. So you now actually do have a hundred thousand dollar sword sitting in your treasury, kind of whether you wanted to or not. So you, okay, you yeah. do end up in these situations huh. like that. No, thank you. That makes a lot more sense. And you have now. some of these
3: larger companies that are are uh, customers of ours that you know have the NFT marketplaces, right? So that
1: they're often like they will often do that where if someone even though they're not the middlemen per se. Like they, if someone buys something that they did not intend to, they'll give them a refund and then they'll buy the NFT. And then suddenly you have an NFT on your balance sheet, kind of whether you wanted to or not.
0: And personally, you know, I'm just dreading the day my seven-year-old figures out how to buy <laughs> NFTs because it's like all he wants
1: to do is spend money on Roblox. Yeah, It's already been happening. As I was saying, he's already doing it, If he's yeah, spending yeah, money on Roblox, more. it's already happening. It's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just not quite the, the same uh, currency yet. Not <laughs> yet.
0: Well, hey, thanks, guys, for coming. Really appreciate having you, Pat, Raf. Where can people find out more about BitWave, follow you online?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things. So bitwave.io, that's the easiest one. If you are interested in this at all, one of the places I always point you to is we have a maturity model that we publish that's called the Digital Asset Maturity Model. So bitwave.io slash D-A-M-M. Damn, it's an easy way to remember it. Um, that just walks through. It's a four-step process for, like, Uh, It starts with like the CTO at my company had a fever dream and bought you know a bunch of ETH on his credit card. What the hell do we do? Through like you know step number four is hey we are an organization running a sophisticated DeFi operation and we're taking down the banks one step at a time and that's us. So it's it's all the different stuff that's going to come up from a treasury perspective, from an internal accounting perspective, from a tax perspective, from a controls and operations. Like we didn't get into this, but like one of the ways that Bitwave looks at the world is that you as a business when you bring digital assets on every one of the cfo every part of the cfo office is touched by that the controllership is touched by that taxes financial operations treasury all of these different parts so we end up having a lot of solutions around there so the digital asset maturity model is a great place like if you are curious about this and you're wondering what the next like five, ten years are going to look like it's a great place to kind of get into to learn about it uh, i'm on twitter i'm at pat white i don't really tweet so i don't know I, like but you know if you want to say hi feel don't, free don't at me yeah right? don't, don't you can i mean it's just not it's not very <laughs> Interested, uh, but Bitwave.io, and and uh, oh, and the other thing I'll, pu- I'll plug is we have a Bitwave channel on YouTube. So if you, if you enjoyed this, we do this kind of thing on our Bitwave channel. We do webinars and just general things like talking about how because we didn't even talk about DeFi. Like we didn't even we did the 100 level stuff here. Like when you start talking about DeFi, it gets you get so deep in this craziness like so quickly. It's not been funny. So we have a whole thing about how to do DeFi accounting and all that. So
3: yeah you know, we work constantly with the the you know the largest firms and you know Armenia you know Armenia very mm-hmm. well. Yep. Um we we're actually doing a uh, a session with them at uh, another conference coming up but one just specifically with them on wallet hygiene and yeah. really looking deep on level 1 <laughs> level 2 blockchains. wallet hygiene. Wallet hygiene. That's yeah so yeah it's really really interesting so we make sure you know to make from an integrity standpoint that we're doing the right things in our product we're constantly having meetings with you know these large firms to making sure that we know what's going on with the SEC, how we're treating it. They're asking for our advice. So it's a really supportive uh, community, which I love.
1: Wallet hygiene was a term that I think we coined it. I I don't think anyone else did, but... uh it's this idea, so one of the things about thinking about crypto- The terms should
0: be an NFT. It you should know? be. We then should, then we should get
1: that. We should definitely get that. Um, one of the things about, the, like, so the difference between crypto and bank accounts, there's a lot of them, obviously. But when you do a vendor transaction in your bank account, you get a nice little memo line that says, like, I just bought a burger from Burger King, like, you know, Burger King, $5. You don't get that in crypto, right? You see an address and an amount, and that's it. So you either have to be really good at record keeping, which some people are, some people aren't. We have some tools to help with that. Or you can go the other direction where you have really good wallet hygiene, which is you have a wallet where all your revenue hits. You have a wallet where you pay all your contractor expenses. You have another wallet where you pay all your fees for your NFT trading, whatever it is. That way you can make your accountant's life a lot easier because they know, hey, if something happened, if I spent five Bitcoin in this wallet, that's a contractor expense. If I spent it in this one, it's a fee.
2: All right, so I'm gonna repeat what you just said. Yep. So one of the greatest things of cloud accounting is the bank feeds.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so now- <laughs> We're getting rid of we're those. we
2: super progressive and and basically you've ruined the bank feed. Yeah. And so because of that, you're gonna be like, hey, go create a bunch of individual wallets so you get the same experience you get currently in bank feeds. Yep.
1: Yep. Jesus, you guys are a
2: mess, man. All this, <laughs> like you guys like you guys are not making the
1: world any better. There's, I honestly believe that. There's a this. lot of cool stuff happening around here to like fix it. This is I mean, this is part of it is like is that there's a lot of stuff happening around this to fix this. And this even gets into what we're talking about. Like ideologically. The crypto came about because people wanted that pseudo-anonymity. This was an early feature of crypto, not a bug. But now where we are, where people don't want that, you're actually now finding people come up with clever solutions for digital identity so that you actually can get that bank feedback with potentially even more information in it. So we'll get there eventually. It's a Yeah, I can see where it could be an extra perfect bank feed right? right
2: it would it would be perfect yeah bank feeds coming in eventually because you yeah. could control the data coming through there but exactly. we can
1: hope we can dream it, it'll, it'll get Two there. Steps back first yeah it is it's exactly right because it's it's, it's it's trying to adapt a currency design for pseudonymity for accounting and then now everyone's like oh crap we kind of maybe should have thought of that beforehand and now people are working on really cool stuff it's normal evolution of technology and so
2: the term is wallet Hygiene. Wallet hygiene Keeping is Keeping your wallets clean. That's the new... <laughs> we're going to make that
3: as a sticker. I like it. Wallet <laughs> hygiene Perhaps is the Perhaps that,
0: uh, that could be the name of this episode. <laughs> so, uh, someone like...
3: <laughs> Platt is actually working on this right yeah. now. So. Okay. Yeah, they're really... They're in, well, that's they're,
0: good. They're cutting edge on this. Good. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Raphael. Appreciate having you on the show.
1: Spectacular. It was Thank our pleasure. Thank you
2: so much, Appreciate it.
0: Thanks, guys.